With the news from Star Wars Celebration, we're seeing the Star Wars universe go even further into the past and the future. And they're looking at expanding things even deeper into the lore when it comes to shows like Skeleton Crew and The Acolyte, which we have some very interesting news about, as well as where the Bad Batch is going, including its dark secret. Welcome to Star Wars Uplink, your place for everything Star Wars gaming, the TV shows, and the movies. Let's jump in. Just you reconsider playing that message for him. We're back from Star Wars Celebration, which was such an incredible experience. I am so unbelievably hyped. Truly. And so excited about Star Wars. It's so, it was so like mm -hmm. invigorating and just energizing getting into a space that has just everyone, while you may not like the same Star Wars movie, you all love it so much that you're willing to fly across the country and fly across the world, hop on a train for a few hours and go see some Star Wars. Yeah, it was definitely a good moment just to be amongst fellow Star Wars fans and it just yes. rekindles any lost gumption you had about mm. Star Wars and where it's going and yeah. where you've been with it and it's just a good time. Like we had a conversation when we were waiting to do the tech check for our panel and the, the person's favorite show was Obi-Wan Kenobi and loved Reva. And we had a civil discussion around how I dislike Obi-Wan and dislike how they portrayed Reva's character. And we came to, like, see each other's perspectives. Yep. It was awesome. That's beautiful. You don't get that on the internet. Yes. <laughs> it was great. Alongside all of those lovely interactions, we got some insane details around the future of the Star Wars franchise. We got three new movies that were announced. One that has directed the new... Indiana Jones movie. Uh, apparently he's directing some other movie, but is prioritizing Star Wars before said other movie, which is like, oh my gosh, what the heck? Dave Filoni is going to be doing his first movie, actually. And that's going to take place probably the next movie after the big reveal, which is Daisy Ridley is back in Star Wars and it's going to be showing her building up the new Jedi Order 15 years after the rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. it on the movie front. And then we've got a ton of details around the TV shows. The biggest I think we're most excited about is The Acolyte. And that was quite the crazy experience. I, I was thankfully able to hop into the Lucasfilm panel thanks to a huge shout out to Roderick. He had an extra pass and I was able to get the, the band to, by the skin of my teeth, like the security guard, I, was, I had my phone up and I was like, the, my friend has a ticket for me. He is down there right now. Look at this. And the other one was like, just send him through. I don't care. We need to keep this moving so by the skin of my teeth we were able to do it because the one security guard was like you're not getting in and the other guy was just keep it moving i was like oh sweet my opportunity let's go down there but we got uh, some looks exclusive trailers on the skeleton crew as well as the acolyte just quickly on the skeleton crew looks very good yeah it looks very exciting and a fun like gritty Goonies-esque experience and I think it really captures that feeling. You think it's gonna be like I don't want to say like capture that nostalgia that the Goonies has but do you it, think it's, it's gonna it's be? It's leaning into a big time. Oh. It's uh, these group of kids that go to like this school and they ditch school and go on this adventure. They steal the ship. They get lost in deep space and imprisoned. Their parents are looking for them so we have that like parents perspective mm. and then we have of uh, the kid's perspective and they run into a Jedi who's played by Jude Law. Mm. Kids seem to have some great acting chops. <laughs> like, I was very hesitant with like, oh, it's a kid-led show. But no, like, it looks good. From the look that we saw, 
on stage, it looks really good. And then the Acolyte. It was described by Leslie Headland as Frozen meets Kill Bill. That is a really weird comparison. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like that, what is going on with that? I think that description is a little weird. <laughs> but when she started to talk, talk about some of her inspirations, which is one being Yojimbo, which is one of my favorite Akira Kurosawa movies. Oh, you can see it. Yeah. It's so much like it's diving into a lot of the mysticism around the force as well as using the force as a way to like put forward like martial arts. And the big thing with that is they're trying to showcase the Jedi as the bad guys, show a Sith led series because it's probably going to run for multiple seasons from what we've heard and really dive into what are the differences and why why does the jedi ultimately fail and mm-hmm. pull those pieces into it mm-hmm. on the frozen side of things there seems to be a very strong female lead and they they seem to be pulling from or she's very powerful but she's not in a society that allows her to be to be able to embrace all of that yeah so i think it's kind of that frozen-esque idea of breaking away and Mm. just delving deep into the dark side i assume yeah and let it go right and letting (laughs) letting the jedi stuff go and uh how they're going to try to suppress all of that that's a good take i think that's very unique from what i've heard online too because i think a lot of people are like oh well kill bill and frozen haha I think that's a great detail of like the Jedi, they're so stuck in their ways. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, one or 200 years before we see them in the, the prequel series. They're high and mighty and they have an idea of what is right and what is wrong. And if you step outside of either of those, you are automatically the bad guy. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to play a lot into the idea of what what does it mean to be a Jedi and how does that actually work in practice? Honestly, I'm really excited to see a female Sith. Yes. We haven't seen that on screen. Mm-hmm. Ever? Ever. Uh, Asajj, kind of. Kind of, but not yeah. in live action for sure. Yeah, not in live action 100%. And we're going to see a lot of Jedi. Mm-hmm. I think that was the thing that, in the teaser that we saw, that was the thing that ex- surprised me the most, was the amount of Jedi on screen is wild. We're getting that level of the prequel series where mm-hmm. the Jedi are just everywhere. <laughs> I think they have like five or six Jedi people that huh. are going to be there. Wow. That's mm-hmm. going to be exciting. We, I, I don't know. Like, I guess, yeah, with the, the prequels, we did get a lot of Jedi, but yeah, not not, not like not as like heavily this. focused. Yeah. It was just kind of like they're in the background, kind of mm-hmm. mingling with the senators sort of thing. Like they're there, but mm. yeah. Yeah. No, this is going to be like Jedi heavy. Uh, Lee Young-Ye, mm-hmm. I think that's how you pronounce his name. His character looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Like they showcase some of his stuff on that. And that looked, if you imagine a samurai film, and you imagine the influences that George Lucas had with Akira Kurosawa films and these like classic samurai. George Lucas has said this himself. Star Wars is like a a Western meets a samurai film mm. with a lot of the mysticism around the force being drawn from like the samurai films and then the texture and the kind of the layout of the hero's journey coming from the Western side of things. And then diving even deeper into that with like Yojimbo and the the texture around that and kind of like, oh, he's not necessarily a bad guy unless you are the bad guy and then he is. So there's a lot of playing into mm. the like perspective and the certain point of view kind of like thing. Like what makes you bad sort yeah. of thing. And really showing the force big time. We mm. saw a lot of the focus on the force here. 
which I I didn't I get to see any of yeah. that. So you're this is all news to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really cool. But what we do have, we have some stuff from Leslie Headland, who I'm honestly like so pumped that she's taking this like what she described as it's a very unique situation because she didn't get approached by Kathleen Kennedy. She said, I want to make frozen meats kill Bill in Star Wars. And Kathleen Kennedy was like, Okay, well, I like what you've done before. I think you can do something like this. We don't have anything else like this. If you're going to do this, which we want to work with you, it needs to be set in this time frame. And then Leslie Headland was like, oh, I didn't even know about the High Republic. So she went and read all of the books, looked at the like reference books, and really dived deep into the High Republic to bring these characters, some of them directly from the book series that are coming into play here. Yeah, in an interview, she was kind of going on how working with Kathleen Kennedy wasn't so much like a pitch. She she said it was more like a conversation where Kathleen Kennedy was like, okay, what would you do about this? And what would you do about this? Mm -hmm. So it's really kind of encouraging to actually see someone step forward and not just be approached by someone being like, you have yeah. to make this. And then it's really nice to see someone actually has some passion behind. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's where we get the good stuff. Yeah. I think that, that's what we've been missing with all of these other series is Lucasfilm has approached all of these other people to bring their vision of Star Wars to Star Wars. Instead of being like, we're Star Wars. You come to us with your pitch. We say yes or no. I think that works so much better. Then, as we've seen Lucasfilm going and saying, you make this thing here. Same with Jim. He was like, yo, I want to make like the Ten Commandments, but Star Wars. Yeah. And like the origins of the Jedi. <laughs> that's going to be a wild ride. Yeah. But we really don't know anything about that. Other than yeah. That's what that was said. That, that was that, it. Yeah. <laughs> this biblical epic and Star Wars, uh-huh. which I'm all for. I wonder if they're going to be like forming the books. The Jedi books, you know, I think, I think it's definitely got to be a part that, of it. If they're it's doing a biblical, like Ten Commandments esque type mm-hmm. thing, there's it's got to be some be sort of written yeah. covenant thing that yeah. it's going to be. Anyway, we're, we digress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but back to the acolyte, the showrunner Leslie Headland has this to say when it comes to how the Jedi will be portrayed. "Quote: The acolyte won't be kind to the Jedi," says the showrunner. Hmm. And also makes the connection to The Last Jedi. Quote, I think it's difficult to do a show that is critical in any way of the Jedi. And I think that you saw that with Ryan Johnson's film. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that especially in that moment, people were very nervous about saying this particular institution may not be the light and perfect, stunning group of heroes that are totally, nobly intentioned. And one thing that I think Dave would say is that they are fallible. That's really the story that George told with prequels, right? The fall of this particular group and i think that's very exciting to see this new perspective on the jedi Hmm. and to showcase how they fall and how their pride and how the weaknesses of the jedi and that institution ultimately comes down to the humans and shows how the sith can be led and showcasing the jedi as the bad guy is going to be fascinating to see i'm interested by this um, by this perspective in this timeline, because mm-hmm. we know where it goes and we know what it becomes. Is this like another breaking down of it before it becomes big again? Or is this just like already we're seeing the cracks I in think, the foundation yeah, here? I think this is like really showing the cracks in the foundation. Mm-hmm. Like if we look at the High Republic, we see the light, the, the height of the Jedi, as it's often described as. And we see the Jedi in this very heroic role 
before they get roped into kind of like the peacekeepers and the warriors when it comes Mm -hmm. to like the clone wars we're seeing them in a completely different light but this foundation that they've built of themselves of being these like holy soldiers Mm -hmm. is cracking and being taken apart and we're seeing a different kind of Sith instead of like this is way before Palpatine this is before Darth Plagueis even I think Mm -hmm. so we'll see a new look at what the Sith look like and what they're going to be doing in this universe. Yeah, I think that probably is the biggest thing is that we're going to see a much more human side of both. Yeah, because it's not like this institution of the Sith. It's like, I don't like the Jedi. I'm going to find my own way. Right. And it just so happens I'm going to the dark side. Yeah. I think think a lot of this is going to be about power Mm -hmm. and how they both use it. Um, Like where the... Sith is going to be more like I want to just have personal gain I assume although I think they both are going to be doing that like they're both in it to just be powerful and yeah. to and the Jedi are going to be holding more power than the Sith are and it's just mm-hmm. it's going to be a fascinating the Sith journey. will be the underdogs in the story mm-hmm. yeah so we're all going to be rooting for them for sure which is exciting especially mm-hmm. like we've never seen this in live action before mm-hmm. we saw it in the video games in a way with battlefront 2's campaign but we didn't actually see it because ein versio goes to the rebellion pretty quickly in that story yeah uh we do see more of that in like the books of um inferno squad which we have behind us on the the set here which we see more of that like dark side perspective but we haven't seen like the like scrappy dark side mm-hmm. we've always seen like the empire right or the First Order or the like CIS, the the Separatists. Like mm-hmm. we always see this organizational perspective on these like big bads. Right. What does it look like for a Sith to be on the run trying to find out their own path? I have a lot of questions. Yeah. But <laughs> we don't know all that much about this other than kind of what we're just talking about here. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and Lee Young-Ye says this uh, when it comes to portraying the Jedi Master. The most fun part of this character is the complexity of emotions and the depth and the layers. That's the most interesting part. But as much of that emotion going on, I also feel immense pressure. Jody Turner-Smith says this, My character is a powerful leader of women, and I do use the Force, but I'm not a Jedi or a Sith. Mm-hmm. And I, we did see a little bit of that character in like this dojo perspective just relying on the fourth like no lightsaber or anything mm. uh, and Amanda Stenberg says uh, what I love about Star Wars is how it delves into the complicated effects of power and so we get to do that now but within a point of the timeline that hasn't been explored before which is the High Republic era so like we were talking about it's a power uh, what is this quote it's like they're only there's only power and those strong enough to like take the power. Like I think that's a quote somewhere hmm. of like a good perspective of this, I feel. I think it's really interesting that um that he specifically says as a Jedi that he's mm-hmm. portraying that he's got so many emotions. Yes. Like, ooh, that's I feel like that's gonna be one of the really big sticking points in mm-hmm. this series is that first of all, we're dealing with a female Sith. Yes. I think we're dealing with more than one. Maybe. Maybe. I have a feeling. Or like a gray Jedi yeah, experience. Yeah, I have a feeling that Matrix Lady. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling she's going to be t- towing the line there. Oh, yeah. She's got to be something. Something. To be not a Jedi or a Sith, but using the Force is just so fascinating. Yeah. Uh, to finish my thought, though, on the whole like emotions thing. Mm-hmm. So we've got this female Sith. I'm assuming she becomes a Sith anyway. Yeah. Um, 
and we have this Jedi dude, and they're both, I assume that having these emotions, which is totally anti-Jedi. You cannot have any emotions. Right? Like, (laughs) I feel like that's just going to be a big catalyst as to why Mm -hmm. these characters fall away or do the things they do. Yeah. It seems to be a very emotionally driven story, mm-hmm. which I'm very excited about. Yeah, because we get into, not to make a pun, but we get into the head of all of the Jedi and like this perspective that we haven't really seen since Anakin. And Anakin was in such a different headspace Truly. when it comes to like his perception of the Jedi and the Sith. But to show kind of like the inverse of that and show the history around that, I think is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we have a lot to look forward to in this Mm-hmm. show it's a yeah, show it's a show yeah and it's probably going to be a series from mm-hmm. what we've said could run for multiple seasons is what the rumor is saying i can understand the worry about putting the jedi in a bad light mm-hmm. quote unquote um because yeah i mean a lot of fans are just diehard jedi good guys yeah. all the way um but i think it's about time we got this mm-hmm. i think andor's been toying with that the yeah. whole like what is good? What the is bad? The rebellion is just as bad as the uh-huh. empire, but they're fighting for something that is ultimately better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's good that we're exploring that into yeah. the Jedi's uh, foundations too. Mm-hmm. But switching gears, we got we we unfortunately weren't able to get to this panel, but we got some details that came out of that panel around Bad Batch season three, which sadly season three is going to be it, its final season. Ah. Which I have been so enjoying the Bad Batch from season one, especially season two, and what they're going to be doing with season three. Like, it raised the stakes very high, and I think it's been in this really fun era. And I hope after season three, there is something else that takes that spot of like an animated TV show. Mm. Because as Bad Batch has shown, Animated shows can do so many different things that the live action movies, the live action TV shows can't. Ahsoka is being built on the foundation of Rebels. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't do what Rebels did in live action in the way Rebels did it. Truly. And I love that. I love the exploration that they're getting to do with the animated stuff. And it just looks super pretty. So I think it's a a good bonus there. I'm just sad that Bad Batch will end because I've... come to love all of the characters in that yeah i mean first reaction is like no don't let it end but mm-hmm. ultimately it's exciting it's good mm-hmm. like when things to have an end yes in when mind. things end it means that there's a really good yeah. story coming to mm-hmm. a close and that there's going to be these climaxes and things are going to get we won't have the done, filler you know? episodes right exactly there is a direction and there is a point to all of this and mm-hmm. that just makes me very happy yeah it seems to be pretty intense we have a rundown from star wars newsnet of like the flow of what they saw quote it began with the emperor once again voiced by palpatine actor ian mcdermott visiting dr royce hemlock leader of the empire's cloning efforts on mount tantus it is imperative that this facility remain secure palpatine says your brilliance is a great asset to this empire All members of the Bad Batch appear, with Hunter addressing Omega's capture at the hands of the Empire. Quote, Omega's been waiting for us. I'm not not making her wait another day. End quote. We see Omega and a sullen Crosshair, both still in Imperial custody. Quote, I'm not giving up Crosshair, Omega tells them. I won't leave you either. You're my brother. Throughout 
There are glimpses of several worlds and characters, including Republic Commandos, clones, wrecks, plenty of giant creatures. Quote, why is there always a huge monster? Riker asks before dropping a thermal detonator in one's mouth, and Ming-Na Wen's fav- fan-favorite bounty hunter, Fennec Shan, shows up. Uh. Got a lot of details here. Palpatine's back. Obviously, diving into some more cloning stuff mm-hmm. is always mm-hmm. Palpatine's thing, especially in Legends. <laughs> Uh, another thing that they didn't cover here, but uh, there is a voice line in there that says she's the key, or Omega, or she's the key to all of this. Mm. So I think that's the big secret that the Bad Batch is really diving deep into, mm-hmm. is what Omega's true purpose is. Yeah. We see there is another older version of her that Royce Hemlock already has. Mm-hmm. But why is it so valuable? When I made my video like diving deep into some of the stuff that they could be diving into when it comes to what the Bad Batch is doing, what the Empire is doing, everyone's like, Hemlock needs Omega to get Nalise to cooperate. That is true. That is what is needed. But with this voice line, I think it shows that there is further need for Omega mm-hmm. in this series. And I think she's the key to kind of what Palpatine and Hemlock really want to do. It would make sense because, I mean, that was kind of the whole point of Bad Batch ever since the beginning. It's always been about Omega. Yeah. It's always been her. And it's always been them protecting her. And this is her story frankly Mm -hmm. so oh yeah yeah well just called the bad batch it's really it's really all about omega and how she fits in or doesn't fit in Mm -hmm. um and how she she has to be the key to everything yeah she's she's the outlier here she's the one that's everything's going weird because of it Mm -hmm. seems I think a fun note, one of the interviews that they had with omega's voice actress was um a fun little like detail while Omega is young, she's around the same age as the Bad Batch mm. when it comes down to because they had the advanced aging. Mm. So hmm. she said the Bad Batch are as protective as or Omega's as protective of the Bad Batch as the Bad Batch is as protective as her. Hmm. So I think that's a fun little thing to really keep in mind of these characters are really like they're in the same boat they are just as caring around each other as they are to one another and it's so i think that's what makes it so hard when crosshair left and then Mm. omega gets captured so there's a lot going on there and then just even thinking about it like omega is the key to this series really but also we have an expanding like universe with the Mandalorian and its details and Moff Gideon's exploration into the cloning, mm-hmm. into the Dark Troopers, and all of these different pieces and details are all coming to fruition to see where the heck the cloning process is going to, which really makes me question why Kamino was ever blown up. Truly. If they still wanted to dive into cloning like they were the most advanced cloners right but i think they weren't as controllable as we saw in bad batch season one Mm -hmm. when it comes to the cloning process yeah that was gonna be my point it's like yeah i think they just wanted more control i think the kaminoans have a bit more of a moral standard a little bit more they're a little little more on the side of 
white, maybe. Yeah, well, they're, they're gray. They're, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're light gray. They're not full gray. They're providing a service. <laughs> exactly. Which is available to anyone. And I think that's one of the things that Palpatine doesn't want. Like mm-hmm. Palpatine wants to control mm-hmm. the clones and them getting made and how they act and how they're portrayed and how they're created. Yeah, and I think... I mean, as we see with Snoke and all that, it gets a lot more specific. Like, he's mm-hmm. getting a lot... It's not just, I want an army, here's a bunch of money. Yeah. Now it's becoming a lot more, like, fine-tuning and... Mm-hmm. How can we utilize the clones strategically mm-hmm. and not just off of the base of Boba Fett or Jango Fett? Right. How can we make the clones fit our purposes in smaller batches and in more specific use cases? I think that's why Clone Force 99, the Bad Batch, was so exciting is because we have the clones that were altered for these very specific use cases and these very specific strengths, Mm -hmm. which is really fun and really exciting. I feel like they're going to pull some of that into this as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Omega, for whatever reason, we'll find out. I think she's, well, all of them, I think they all have this special idea or like there's 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 a muchness behind all of them that they're looking for and i think omega is the like the perfection of Mm -hmm. that muchness yeah um i wonder if omega's like uh like you know how you have a decoder key hmm. like if you have like um like a secret language or a secret message Mm. code Mm. you need to have the decoder ring or a decoder key to really be able to crack that code easily Mm -hmm. or be able to read it I wonder if she is like the genetic code when it comes to this next iteration of cloning. To take this base, which is a male base, to go to this female clone Mm -hmm. and start to adjust and take the idea of cloning from this one genetic model. Instead of duplicating it exactly, what happens if we change it? What happens if we alter it? in the ways that we want it to be altered. Mm -hmm. Can it survive and can it grow and adapt? Maybe she is the key. I would say that's a pretty solid baseline for what Mm -hmm. we're thinking of and going into this next season, this last season. I think that's probably, I yeah, I would say that's probably where they're going with this. And I would, my like, expectation my theory on season three is whatever season three sets up we're going to see the ramifications of in the mandalorian Mm -hmm. in ahsoka in skeleton crew oh yeah in how thrawn is approached and how Mm -hmm. the empire is approached what does it look like for clones to be implicated with dr pershing out of the picture with the new beskar troopers like yeah there are things there that i think we're going to see the foundations of in the Bad Batch season three. I'm really surprised by how much they're combining mm-hmm. all of these, or at least they're just like playing with different little strings of the yeah. same idea of like mm-hmm. cloning and all of this. I'm I'm kind of baffled by it. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I'm happy too much about it because at because now it's starting to feel like okay, no, everyone has to watch all of this. Yeah. And that's kind of... But it's not like... I th- I still think yeah, like... Yeah, it's not quite like Marvel's Yeah, Mandalorian's point. <laughs> further into the future mm-hmm. and they're playing with the same ideas that are getting implemented in the Bad Batch, which makes sense because they are all clones. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you necessarily have to watch the Bad Batch, but I think if you do watch the Bad Batch, you have a deeper appreciation. Like this discussion that we're having mm-hmm. now, 
on how Moff Gideon and Thrawn and the new like shadow empire mm-hmm. is really going to move forward off the basis of these clones. Yeah. I think it's really exciting. It is exciting. Man, cloning. Who would have mm-hmm. thought we would yeah. be in the era of like still cloning things? Like uh-huh. are we back in the prequels? Like Yeah. My goodness. Mm-hmm. I this was a topic I never thought we would get into. But Yeah, and I think it's like really like evolving mm-hmm. too on like how the clone cloning process works, which I think is just super exciting. Also, I'm Personally, I'm fascinated to see how they're going to wrap up the whole like Senator Chuchi yeah. and like what what she's going to be able to do for the clones. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be much. I Probably don't think not anything. Going to happen. Yeah. I think it's going to end up really badly. But I'm still fascinated to just see what happens there. Mm-hmm. We did see a cosplay of mm-hmm. Chuchi at Star Wars Celebration, yeah, like, which is really fun. It's so great, so mm-hmm. great to see this the fringes of yeah. characters that people are mm-hmm. bringing. But I do agree. I don't think we're going to see the ramifications of Chuchi's efforts, really, mm. except for the fact of, like, the clones that she does help, we may see later on down yeah. the line. Like, we do see Rex and Rebels. Mm. Like, we do see some of these people, these clones, mm-hmm. in the later stuff. But I doubt we'll see any huge ramifications from mm-hmm. that. Ultimately, we're going to go into a pretty dark time. Yeah. Because... <laughs> Things don't go well for yeah. the clones. Mm-hmm. Like, this is kind of their end. It's a dark time for the Jedi. Dark time for the clones. Yeah. So, this is probably going to be a pretty heavy last mm-hmm. season. Yeah. Get ready to cry. Yep. Have the tissues closed. Yeah. But with that, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Check out our podcast wherever you find podcasts. Let us know your thoughts on our theories. And hey, you can check out our YouTube channel where we have deeper dives into all of this stuff, the podcast in video form. And hey, if you're watching this on video, like and subscribe. As always, thanks for listening and may the force be with you.